The scripture reading today is taken from the Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we thank you for this day you have given us, Lord. Lord, what a blessing it is for us to be in this place at this hour. Lord, we could be anywhere else doing other things. But Lord, we are grateful that we are in your presence this morning to worship you and to center ourselves in your love and for you to be once again centered in the very heart of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the rest that you give to our souls as we stop from all the labors of life to be together in this one place, to worship you and to fellowship with one another. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that we offer to you, that we sing together. Thank you, Lord, for the time of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the time of listening to your word. Thank you for the fellowship that we carry, we share with one another. So, Lord, we come now with open hearts, open mind and open ears. and Speak to us, O Lord. Move in our hearts with the Holy Spirit that we may go away from this place knowing that we've been touched by your love, that we have heard your voice speaking to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a beggar was sitting beside a, a road when he saw a splendid carriage coming toward him. The carriage was decorated with gold and precious gem, and so it shone like the sun. The beggar thought, here comes a great and wealthy man. What will he give me? The carriage stopped, and a man dressed in fine robe emerged and approached the beggar. Then to the beggar's astonishment, the man asked, what will you give me? The beggar was confused. What will you give me? 
So he reached into his meager purse and pulled out the smallest grain of rice he could find. He handed the rice to the wealthy man thinking, what can he possibly need from me? After thanking the beggar, the wealthy man went on his way. Later that night, the beggar emptied his purse to count his possessions. And to his astonishment, he saw lying there a grain of rice which had turned to gold. Now the beggar realized who it was he had met on the road, and he cried out, If only I had given him my all. If only I had given him my all. You know, let us read the verse 6 of our scripture today. Let us read. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Amen. Let me ask you this. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? The Bible's teaching is clear. Whatever we offer to God will be returned to us in proportion to our offering. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. He said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And if you read this verse in a different translation, and now I read it in New Living Translation, let me read it to you in common English Bible version. And this is what it says. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. See, the law of sowing and reaping in a nutshell can be stated as follows. We get what we put into it. The more we give, the more we will get from God. The less we give, the less we will get from God. You know, today we live in a world where the ruling ideology and principle of economy is all about maximizing the profit with the least amount of investment made. In other words, the goal and success in our economically driven society is primarily understood as producing the greatest outcome with the least amount of effort put into it. So in order to compete and succeed in our world today, we try to build cars that can drive more distance for the same amount of gas compared to cars made 20 years ago. We try to build homes they will be warmer in wintertime and cooler in summertime using the least amount of energy. We try to come up with a weight loss program that will require minimum work and commitment while ensuring eye-popping, head-turning, and incredible results, all in two weeks. Right? We try to make all things to be more efficient, use less energy, but more powerful and faster than ever before. 
the idea is all about how we can get more while putting in less. In a way, I think this idea has also seeped into the church. So many people today in the church look for programs that will help them to grow in their faith and love of God without having to put in a lot of effort and time. You know, I just shared with you about the Advent Bible study coming up this Thursday, right? What do we all want for this Christmas? Do we want, is Christmas all about gifts? Is it all about celebration, getting together with our families and friends and partying? You know and I know, we all know deep inside, that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about receiving the ultimate gift that God is giving to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So in order for us to truly appreciate, truly live the spirit of Christmas and to experience that spirit of Christmas, you know and I know that we have to prepare our hearts through prayer, through study, through reflection. And this is why we offer Advent Bible study during this season. And yet, we want that Christmas, and yet we're too tired, we're too busy, and we just cannot afford to come to the Bible study. And yet we still want all of this gift, all of this blessing that Christmas has to offer to us. That's our thinking, right? Also, we often expect our ministry to grow without the willingness to get involved and give our time and effort to ministry. We want our church to grow. But if we ask people to get involved and be engaged in our ministry, it's always very difficult to find volunteers and people who will step up and say, I will get involved. I will get engaged. I want to do what I can to help this ministry grow. We want somebody else to do the job, and we just want to see the church, the ministry, to grow. You know, Simon says in Psalm 119 that God's word is a lamp before our feet and a light for our journey. As lamp that is providing light, the word of God has a way of revealing our errors and showing what we are missing. And according to God's word, we get what we put into it, straight and simple. We get what we put into it and only as much as we put into it. it in this understanding, the law of sowing and reaping that the Bible is talking about it's something that goes really against the value and the norm of our culture today. If this is true, then one question that all of us need to ask ourselves is this. If we really believe in this law of sowing and reaping, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what are we sowing in our lives today? What are you sowing in your life today? Another way of asking this question would be asking, you know, breaking down this question in two parts and ask these two questions. The first question is this, what do I want to reap in my life? What do I desire in my life today? The second question is, what and how am I sowing today in order to reap tomorrow what I want? See, there's something that you want. But then what are you doing? What are you sowing today in order to reap that result, the outcome that you desire for yourself and for this church and for your family in your life? 
As we think about the law of sowing and reaping, one thing that we need to be clear about this teaching is that this law of sowing and reaping should not be understood as dealing only with material blessings or teaching people to serve God financially. No, this law of sowing and reaping needs to be understood as an important principle that impacts our lives both materially as well as spiritually. What do you want to reap in your life? Do you want to reap more wealth? Then you need to sow more wealth. You want more peace? Then you need to sow peace and forgiveness. Do you want to reap more love in your life? Then sow love. Do you want more spiritual growth in your life? Then sow prayer, Bible study, worship, and service. You know, for the next few Sundays, our annual stewardship campaign will take place in this church when we pledge our support for God's ministry in this church. We will be sending out a letter to each family this week asking everybody to make their pledge to support our ministry with their time, talent, and treasure. In other words, we will be asking everyone to sow the seeds of ministry for 2018. And as we try to sow the seeds of ministry, all of us must ask these two important questions. What kind of church is God calling us to be? What kind of ministry is God asking us to do? And the, the second question is, what am I willing to sow in order to reap the ministry that God desires from us? As we are in the season of sowing the seeds of life and ministry, I want to share with you briefly a few things that are important for us to note. First, whether you are sowing for ministry or for your own life, the act of sowing first begins with a personal commitment of the heart. Let us look at the scripture here, verse 7. Verse 7, let us read together. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you have a pen, underline each. See, sowing is a personal endeavor. So Paul says each man should give according to what he has decided in his heart. And at the same time, sowing involves making a commitment because it requires making a decision in one's heart. See, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So underline, he has decided in his heart. See, it involves commitment because it involves making a decision in one's heart. For this reason, as we sow the seeds of life or ministry, we don't need to compare ourselves with others. Don't do it just because the person next to you, because the Joneses or the Park family or other family are doing this or that. It's completely up to you. It's your personal decision that you make with you and with God. Just two of you. We must listen. We must listen to what God is asking us in our own hearts. We must listen carefully and then make a decision. And our decision should not be made out of pressure or guilt or under compulsion, but according to what we hope and desire for ourselves and for our church. When we make a decision according to our hopes and desires, then we will be more likely to follow through our commitments willingly 
and gladly. The second point that I want to share with you is this. In sowing the seeds of life and of ministry, we should never be timid. We should never be timid. In other words, if we're going to sow, see, if you choose not to sow, then this sermon doesn't apply to you. If you choose not to sow, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do. But if you choose to sow something, then you might, as well choose, you might as well sow it boldly rather than timid with timidity, right? We should sow our time and our talent and our treasure generously because we will reap only to the extent of our sowing. God is faithful, and what that means is that God will help us to reap according to our sowing. Now here, I think it is helpful for us to think about why some people would choose to sow, but only sparingly and not generously. And what does it mean to sow sparingly? Let me just, let's just think about this together for a while. Now, if I say, spare my life, what does that mean? It means, let me keep my life, right? Don't take it from me. If I say, spare no effort, what does it mean? It means hold back no effort. Give all the effort you can, right? When the Bible says God did not spare his, own, his only son, it means that God did not hold him back. So to give or sow sparingly is to sow from a heart that deep inside wants to hold back. Some people may decide to sow something because of certain pressure or feelings of guilt or obligation. But the real feeling in their heart is not to think of how much they can give, but how much they can keep. This kind of mindset and attitude is a passive and a reluctant mindset. Clearly, that's not how we should sow or give. Instead, Paul teaches us that we should sow and give cheerfully and gladly meaning proactively and willingly. Now, the question then we need to ask ourselves is, why then would some people sow passively and sparingly rather than generously? There may be many, many reasons, but one common reason is because they are worried that they may not have enough for themselves if they give away what they have. See, that is the common worry that many people share, that if I give away this time, if I give away this money, if I give away what I have, then I may not have enough for myself, for my family, for my needs. To some of us who may feel this way, Paul says this, right? He says, do not worry. Don't worry. And this is what it says in verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. And listen to what Paul says here. Let's read together, verse 8 through verse 11. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gift to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he, supply, he will supply seed to the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. 
and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen. See here, right, verse 8, underline, underline, God is able to make all grace abound to you. And go to verse 10, which says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Underline, he who supplies seed. See, it says God is the one who supplies the seeds. And then underline right after that, sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So underline supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge. And then verse 11, underline you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. See, our God is God who makes all grace abound, abound in our lives. God is the ultimate supplier of all things in our lives. He is the one who supplies the seeds for us to sow in the first place. If we truly believe that God is the one who makes all grace abound and one who makes our lives rich in every way, then we should not be so concerned and afraid to hold back as we sow or give our time, talent, and treasure for God's work. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, Captain Uriah Phillips Levy, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was born on April 22nd, 1792, and he was the first Jewish Commodore captain in the United States Navy. He was also the second richest Jew in Philadelphia. And Captain Levy was once asked how he could give so much to the Lord's work and still possess great wealth. And guess what his reply was? Very, very interesting. He said, oh, as I shovel it out, meaning his wealth, you know, his whatever that he gives, he says, oh, as I shovel it out, he, meaning God, shovels it in. And the Lord has a bigger shovel than I do. Isn't that nice? As I shovel it out, God shovels it in. And God has a larger shovel, bigger shovel than I do. Amen? Amen? I pray that you will truly believe that, that God has a bigger shovel than, than all of us do. And that's what Paul is saying. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, right? And that you will be made rich in every way. Why? Because God has the bigger shovel than we do. And Anne Frank, who wrote that, who's famous for writing that book, The Diary of a Young Girl, she said, no one has ever become poor by giving. No one has ever become poor by giving. Because when we give, we don't just stay empty-handed. God replenishes our empty hands with greater blessing. That when we give, no one becomes poor by giving. We always get something in return. You know, when I go to visit people in the hospitals, you think I'm the one who go and pray for them. You think I'm the one who are going and visiting these people to give something to offer God's comfort and, and, you know, God's goodness and love to them, God's healing to them? Maybe, 
But you know what? Every time I go visit, every time I come back from the visitation, I feel more blessed to be there, to be praying for them, and to be present in their lives. See, when we give, we are the one who end up feeling more enriched and blessed. No one has ever become poor by giving. And finally, the third point that I want to make is this. It is important for us to note that when we sow our time, talent, and treasure for God's work in our church and in our lives, we will experience God's blessing on many different levels. See, one background information that is helpful for us to know about the text that we read today is that Apostle Paul is writing to the Gentile Christians in the city of Corinth, encouraging them to make generous efforts in helping the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. See, as you know, Jewish people, even Christians, didn't always have a good view of the Gentiles and Gentile Christians. But despite how some Jewish Christians may have thought about the Gentile Christians in Corinth, Apostle Paul is encouraging the Gentile Christians to collect offerings and gather their efforts to provide for the Jewish Christians who were struggling, who did not have enough food, who did not have enough resource, and they're struggling very hard. And so Apostle Paul is writing a letter to encourage the Christians, Gentile Christians in, in Corinthian church to have an offering, to have a collection, and gather their efforts to reach out to the Christians, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. That is the background of this letter that we just read. And one important point that Apostle Paul is making in his letter is that the benefits of their compassionate service will be far beyond what they can understand. Let's go to verse 12. Let's read verse 12 through 14. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. See here in verse 12, underline supplying the needs of God's people. See, this service that you perform, when you, when you reach out to them, when you have this collection and send this collection over to them, you will be supplying the needs of God's people. So there's one benefit right there. Okay? So your efforts will benefit the people, God's people in Jerusalem. And then he says, but it's also we're following in many expressions of thanks to God. So underline many expressions of thanks to God. Not only will you supply the needs of God's people there, they will offer thanksgiving to God, okay? So God will be glorified. God will be honored, and God will be praised. So your efforts will bring glory to God. That's the second benefit. And then verse 13, he goes on to say, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God once again. Underline, men will praise God. So once again, glorifying God. And then verse 14, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Meaning what? Not only will they receive your gifts, when they receive their gifts, your gifts, their heart will go out to you. And they'll be praying for you. 
So you will, be, you will benefit from their prayers of blessings for you. And not only that, what happens? The relationship between Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians have, have never been so warm and so cordial and, and lovely. But through this act of mercy and compassion, they will become true brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? See, let us remember that when we support our church and God's ministry through our time, talent, and treasure, our efforts will benefit not just our church, but all those whom we touch with our ministries and beyond. See, when we spend two hours on a weekend to help tutoring a child who needs help with schoolwork, when we go out and pay for laundry for someone and offer to pray for them, when we go and serve a meal to those who are hungry, when we give offering to repair our church facility or finance some of our ministries of the church, our impact will not just stop with the people we serve, but will extend beyond those people in more ways than we may ever realize. In other words, the sowing of our time, talent, and treasure in God's work will cause a ripple effect of blessings they will reach the people and places we never thought of. Amen? Amen? That when we sow our time, talent, and treasure with joy and generously, there will be this ripple effect of blessings that will touch the lives of people in more ways than we can ever know. In other words, when the law, the law of sowing and reaping teaches us that if we do not sow anything, then we will not reap anything. So let us be diligent sowers of God's goodness, hope, love, and blessings. And let us sow generously. For those who sow generously will reap generously and come to know God's abundant blessings in their lives. Let us not be afraid to make a personal decision of sowing our time, talent, and treasure in God's garden. Let us not be timid in sowing, but sow with confidence and gener generously. For we know that God is faithful and will help us to reap generously if we do. Finally, let us be confident that when we sow faithfully, then we will experience the ripple effect of God's many blessings through our sowing. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for teaching us this morning about the importance of sowing the seeds of goodness and blessings in our lives. Grant us boldness and strong faith that we may sow our time, talent, and treasure generously for the work of your kingdom, so that through generous sowing, we may reap generously your many blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.